The more you know. Welcome to Christ in the Chaos, where a pastor's kid and a kids' ministry director talk about raising a Christ centered family. We're not sure we know what we're doing, but we are right in the thick of it. And this is how we're finding Christ in the Chaos. Welcome to Christ in the Chaos. I am Kathleen here with my husband. Joel. I almost said my name too early. That um, would have been embarrassing. Yeah, well. <laughs> People don't want to know that I'm here. Um, so we have a special guest today and we are going to be asking him um, things your pastor wishes you knew. Um, we brought in a real pastor, not the fake ones that we pretend to be on a weekly basis. <laughs> um, so He's got a piece of paper and everything. Before we get to him, how are you doing? It's the family check-in time. We're all going to check in with our family. So check in with your family. My family is giving me a really weird look right now. I'm like, I might be mid-sneeze, but I'm not. Um, I'm doing well. It's kind of weird because we're recording pretty quickly after we recorded a last time. A lot can change, Joel. A lot hasn't changed. I'm still tired, yeah. but good. The weather got better today, so it wasn't so oppressively hot. We went to the park. I had a hot dog. I went to sleep at 4 a.m. this morning. Yeah, Levi was a bit of a pill. You know what? Night. I thought about this as we were putting him to sleep tonight. I think he's just too warm. I think the, the blanket sleeper in the hot weather is waking him up. He insists on his Peter Rabbit pajamas. Well, they can get burned in a fire if they're going to wake him up seven times a night. So we'll take him off him first. Oh. <laughs> hey, how are you doing? I'm tired. And um, it was beautiful weather today. And we had a fun time um, with our guest and his family. And even with my family and also with my friend that I visited, it was just a very relaxing day. As a church worker, Thursdays are my Saturday. And today actually kind of felt like a Saturday for the first time in a long time. I didn't work. Okay. Well, let's get to our topic today. Our topic today is things your pastor wishes you knew. But also we're going to ask him some questions that we are curious about because he's a pastor. And why don't you introduce him since he's your friend? He is my friend. Uh, he might be my only friend in the world, <laughs> but he is my friend. He is Pastor Dave. Hey, Pastor Dave. Hey, how's it going? Do you like Pastor Dave or Pastor That's what David? I go by at the church, Pastor Dave. You know, my dad always said my father was a pastor, and he said he always liked the Catholic kids because they would call him Father, our last name, <laughs> um, and he liked that much better than we Pastor Paul. It is fun when people call me Father. When they think I'm Catholic, it's even better when they don't know what to call me and you can see them try to come up with what to call me and they just don't get there. It's not even like, there's no right answer. Like, unless they like knew enough, like nobody would expect every denomination and every like tradition has like a different name for the guy. So it's not like they're like, Ooh, I don't know. And then the, the pastor is sitting there going, yeah, I know you don't know, but neither does anybody else. <laughs> um, Cause I want to say I went in the very limited church experience I had as a kid, it was at a Presbyterian church and we called them reverend. Yeah, that's good enough. Um, anyway. Yeah, uh, no, so I have speaking a, of no. Presbyterians, Pastor Dave oh. is a pastor at a small Presbyterian church. Yes. Medium uh, Presbyterian church. Leemore Presbyterian church and about 130 members. I'm the solo pastor, which means I'm also the senior, the associate and every other pastor. <laughs> so, solo, no Kids, one can see you. youth, <laughs> janitor. Yeah. All of the above. 
Activities Coordinator Extraordinaire, I believe is your title. Other duties as assigned, I think, is the line. And you're the, the one assigning them, which is the worst part. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> you keep giving yourself <laughs> other duties. So, Social media director, website designer. I actually do those things. I yes. know you do. <laughs> We can tell. Yeah. Oh no, actually he no, does a beautiful really job. Good one. Yeah. That's actually something you kinda like outside of like what would be your pastoral skill set that I feel like you do well is like your graphic y stuff and your yeah. um, audio and audio medium really wasn't his thing. because uh, you've he's recently picked up video editing and yes. done a really good job of that for his church. We need to get him to come to our church and do video editing. Yeah, because it's so so true, actually. That's that's probably why I'm like, ooh, you make videos because we have literally had the idea to do like a better video ministry for about five years and I'm able to make it happen. Takes yeah. one person with expertise. So Pastor Dave, what are some things that you wish your churchgoers, members, parishioners, whatever, uh, knew about your job or just wish they knew in general? Yeah. So the first thing that I wish they knew uh, and this is going to be really cliche, but I mean it 100%. I really wish that they, and this is church people in general, Christians in general, I really wish they knew, deep down knew, how much God loved them. Oh, No, that's a really good answer. It is a really good It's one. the core of every single cliche, thing. I know. But I was surprised uh, getting into ministry how many people you wouldn't think struggle with that. And yet they really struggle with that. There are people yeah. that carry deep, deep insecurities about whether or not God loves them. And these are people that have been in the church their whole lives. They, they're they good people and generally not insecure. But when a crisis comes up or, or whatever it might be, whatever the reason, a sin in their past or who knows what, deep down they are not really convinced they are loved by God. And that makes it difficult for them to, well, live, follow Christ, uh, do all the th things, forgive, do all the things that you're called yeah, to do that are hard. and have the joy that Jesus promised. I mean, yeah. that's yeah, just not there. Yeah, live in the kingdom and have yeah. that joy. So I, I truly do wish that more of them uh, just deep down knew how much they were loved by God. What does it say about me that this has never been an issue? Like, I have no problem. <laughs> well, it hasn't really been for me either. I mean, no. I was, that's why I was surprised. Yeah. Like, I'm like, oh, well, I'm like, of, of course he loves me. I'm right. one in the room. <laughs> yeah. Like you two are really obnoxious because no. the rest of us don't feel worthy. <laughs> no, I think, I think for me, like for me, it's, it was such an, it was such a weird rescue. You know, it wasn't like I grew up in the church and it wasn't like I ever expected to be here. It was so out of the blue and like random that it's like, well, this all has to be true for me to be where I am. And if it is all true, the love of God is also true. Um, it was like not the hardest thing to believe in, in the big picture, but I am here and I'm like, yeah. okay, all right. So. Well, I think, I mean, one of the reasons it is hard for so many people is because there's just some bad theology underlying it. And that's, there's not time to go into all that now, but if, if Christianity has only been about being good or being moral or whatever, well, let's face it, none of us are or not enough. So if that's what Christianity is about, is basically just being good and God helping you be good, well, you're not all the time. So then does God really love you? I mean, if that's the only theological underpinning of your faith, then mm -hmm. there's mm -hmm. going to be a problem with that. Yeah. Well, which is, I mean, it's kind of, you're kind of like, well, that's, the whole point of the religion, guys, is we <laughs> right. weren't good enough, and God said, it, it's fine, I'll fix it, and he came and died, and like now he, because he loves us. Right, yeah. It, 
It's real. Yeah, no, you're right. You're not good enough, but it's okay. Right. That's why they call it good news. Yeah, it's very good news. (laughs) Foundation of our religion. You think of it as the foundation because... It's the foundation of Lutheranism. Lutherans really hang their hats on grace. I guess all Christians really hang their hats on grace, but Lutherans focus on it. it. It's a thing. Speaking of the good news, that's the second thing that I wish more people knew. And this one gets a bit more theological. Hopefully I explain it well. It is incredibly good news that we were loved by God. For God so loved the world, you know, Jesus came, died for us, all that stuff. I mean, absolutely, that is the core. Yeah, right. That is the core of the good news, absolutely. But I do wish that more people understood that it doesn't stop there. Um, that is not the entirety of the good news. Mm-hmm. So we're on a road trip right now, and we've had a lot of time in the car to listen to Christian radio. And as much as I enjoy uh, Christian radio, I don't always enjoy Christian radio. <laughs> uh, so I'd say about 99% of the songs are about the same thing. Uh, some version of, I'm so grateful that you love me, God. I can't believe that you do. That's amazing. Your grace, your mercy, however you want to put it. Uh, or uh, thank you for helping me during a difficult time, right? So pretty much all the songs are about that. Every every now and then you get one that goes a little deeper. Uh, that is, again, a great central part of the good news, but it's not the entirety of the good news. When Jesus went around, if you open up any of the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, go to the beginning-ish where it says that Jesus started his ministry. Every single one says the same thing, that he went around preaching the good news of the kingdom of God. It doesn't say that he preached the good news of personal salvation Salvation. or forgiveness of your sins, Mm -hmm. although those things come later and they are a central part of it. The good news is bigger than just that. So I I would say that the the forgiveness, the love, the mercy is really the, the entrance into that kingdom. It's becoming a citizen of that kingdom so that you can live as a loyal citizen of that kingdom. And that's where the Christian life really begins to grow and bear fruit and go beyond just me and my feelings and how grateful I am. And it goes to loving other people and seeking justice while seeking the kingdom first, like Jesus said. Yeah. And that's something I think we as a people have trouble with. And we talk about a lot of, right, be a kingdom bringer because Mm -hmm. you're not, we're not going to die and go to the kingdom of heaven. We're supposed to bring it here now. We're supposed to make this the kingdom of heaven as best we can. And that that's our job, to live that and live in that joy. Uh, that reminds me of, I think I've mentioned it like four times on the podcast already, but the Bible Project. Um, have you ever watched any of their videos? One or two. Um, they have one on the Holy Spirit. And it shows the people like lighting up, like as they become kind of the citizen when you get mm, your citizenship right. kind of thing. And it like shows like how your light kind of, it's like a candle. Right. And, and, and for some reason that imagery of it um, really op- like kind of brought that so that I could kind of grasp that concept. But it's very funny when you're doing kids ministry or when you're just talking to your own kids, because their personal salvation and going to heaven is something that kids can grasp. Right. But then I've always thought, and I think kids always think, the idea of going to heaven and praising God forever, it sounds kind of boring. <laughs> like, is that it then? Because Floating on a cloud, playing a harp. Yeah. And so, no, we have a job to do and, 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 a, and there's a, a new heaven and a new earth coming and we get to be a part of it and we get to be, have citizenship in it. And we have this big future ahead of us 
And it isn't about a future of sitting on a cloud playing a harp and um, being able to paint that picture for kids is is important. And, and it's important for adults who obviously don't have a great grasp of it either. Yeah, yeah and also getting people active in acting now because it is kind of hard in a religion where you say oh don't worry you can't earn your way yeah Yeah. you can't earn your way to heaven but also you should be doing lots of good stuff right i mean if that if that core belief that you are loved by god is not there none of the rest of it is going to be possible anyway so so i'm not saying we should like leave that behind um but there's this whole other world of obedience of allegiance really in yeah. fact, the uh, so the I'm going to get all pastory on you. The Greek word, the Greek uh, word that is behind faith, trust, and belief is all the same word. So when you open your Bible and see faith, trust, or belief, it's the same Greek word. It also has a meaning that we don't translate this way, which is that of allegiance. Um, and so we are saved by allegiance to our King. I mean, Christ wasn't Jesus' last mm-hmm. name; it's a royal title. He's our King. So, yes, we are invited into that. You are loved and forgiven, and that's wonderful. Now, going from that, letting that be your center, go and live this, this life of devotion and obedience to your king. Uh, so, we watch Downton Abbey a lot. We watch it over and over. <laughs> the great theological. Yeah. And one of my favorite parts in shows or movies like that is when the servants get a little uppity, and the aristocracy says, it's not your place to have opinions, right? Mm-hmm. And we all say, no, of course it is. But it I kind of think of it think of it like that. Allegiance to Christ is kind of taking that attitude of it's not my place to question or to have these opinions about well, what do I think is right or wrong? It's about devotion and allegiance to Christ because mm-hmm. I know Christ loves me, because I know Christ died for me, because he is my king who saved me, whatever he says goes. Wherever he tells me to go, I go. Whatever he tells me to do, I do. And that's my first concern. We should be different. If you're a follower of Christ, you should be different. People should be able to tell by looking at you. They They will know we are Christians by our love. By our love. That we're bringing the kingdom. They should see that. We should be changed. And if you're not changed, if you're not different, if your light doesn't shine, excuse me, then he just hates quoting scripture there. <laughs> that sounds so sappy, right? So like, let your light, your light shine, should shine yeah, before men. Like yeah, it, it just really sounds should, corny, though. but yeah. it should. Yes. People should be able to see yes. that you're different, that something is different. Yes. The last thing I would mention, and this one's a bit judgmental, I suppose. Uh, hey, we can't that's wait. Our theme song. <laughs> <laughs> there, there are times, if I'm totally honest, there are times when I wish. Uh, that church members, again, in general, how do I even put this? You, Susie. Hope you don't have a real Susie. <laughs> no, we don't have a Susie. No, but everybody so. listening named Susie, just what? <laughs> uh, not that they they trusted me as if what I say is the same as what God says or what the Bible says, because it's clearly not. But I also went to school for a long time, and I studied the Bible really, really closely, <laughs> And I'm not just making this stuff up. I say this because it it <laughs> happens quite frequently uh, that someone uh, might uh, make a comment to the effect of them not being sure they agreed with something that I said, which is fine, except when it's something Jesus said, yeah. and I was just reading it. 
Yeah. Um, I've, I've led devotions before where I read a line from Jesus and someone interrupts and says, yeah, I don't think he was right about that. You're like, ooh. I mean, that's fine. You're allowed to believe Jesus what? was wrong about something, but it, are you really allowed to do that and still call yourself uh, someone who has pledged their allegiance to Jesus as their king and takes what he says seriously? Yeah. I, mean, I mean, you see where it's, I'm going. Yeah, and yes. I think that's a a kind of perennial problem with any profession. And I will yeah. admit right here on this podcast that not 10 minutes ago, you and I were having a conversation where I <laughs> yes. was disagreeing with you. Yes. Because I know I know more. <laughs> right. um, but also I think it it's obvious even in our conversations that you have a better understanding of this and you can play devil's advocate in ways I just can't because you have a deeper knowledge that kind of the way... It's why we pay him the big bucks. Well, and, and that's the thing. The, the, <laughs> that's why pastors... Yeah. <laughs> I was about to say that. Uh, <laughs> the last thing I would want is for anybody to uh, love me more than Jesus, be impressed by me more than by Jesus. Or, I don't think I'm in danger of that. Is, but. Or there is a tendency not, of, uh, not hero worship, but like pastor-centric church. Absolutely. And personality which, which is why I'm glad I'm Presbyterian, because yeah. um, we don't do that. Because we don't have personality. Wait. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, and yet you wouldn't want, and you wouldn't want somebody to be discouraged from... Um, the word of God speaking to them yeah. in an individual or way, learning, of learning and thinking and working through things out loud. Yeah, of course. So you know, disagree with me all they want. That's but fine. But do it with the knowledge, just like you want them to have the love of God in their heart. You want to have them the reminder of your education in their mind. Yes, something <laughs> like that. I mean, I, I imagine that you know, when your doctor tells you, "Hey, you have high blood pressure. Here's how you fix that." You're in the wrong room for that. This is. Oh my god. This one brings her phone to the doctor's office and says, "Here's what's wrong." I with have me. always I been right. It. I have always been right. But, <laughs> I, but, and also to be fair, I think a lot of people are like that with the doctor too. Yeah. Um, they doubt. Um, they are. And 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 to be fair. Some doctors and are some wrong. doctors and yeah. some preachers preach terrible things. I mean, yeah. that, that is a thing. That is so, so hard, and that's why there's you know you take this with a grain of salt. But but again, just just I'm not making this stuff up. I really do work very hard to try and stick with what Scripture says, what Jesus says. You take that responsibility seriously. I absolutely yeah. do, and and I, I mean personally, it is a little tough when people disregard it so easily. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and they don't very often. Not many people do, but some do, and it's it's tough. I obviously have no problem disagreeing with you, but I think you need to give a little understanding. Say, hey, look, I disagree with you. What do you think? You know, here's how I'm feeling. Here's how it seems to me. But that's adorable. Here's right. what the Bible says. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and that's the thing. It'd be fine if someone said, "I disagree with you," and he, let me explain. Explain like, based on scripture why yes, I disagree with you. This That's great. Translation but or when this... people tell me they're wrong, and, and I and I know they just haven't read their Bibles hardly at all. Again, not out of a moralistic I should read my Bible, yeah. but I mean, really haven't studied the scriptures very mm-hmm. much. It's like, well, <laughs> we're not even coming at each other on the same playing yeah. field here. Which is my most lawyery thing I do with the Bible, where people say like, "Oh, cool, where's it say that?" Like, give me right. the citation, please. So, right. I mean. I'm willing to be wrong, but well, that's the thing. Usually, they could come up with something from like that without context. That yes. absolutely right. It needs to go deeper than proof yeah. texting because I, I can, can proof text, text with too. the best of them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so now that we have you here, locked in a studio, it's a nice studio, by the way. Hey, thank you. We are going to ask you some questions while we got you locked in this room. So I'm going to start with 
What can your churchgoers, your members do day to day to make your life easier? Because that's what they all want to know. What can we do to help the pastor? So honestly, and I'm not just saying this because some of them are going to listen to this. Uh, <laughs> no, they won't. No one listens to this. <laughs> not much. I mean, they. I just, I love those people so much. They are just uh, wonderful people, and I uh, love being their pastor, and things are great. Um, the only thing that comes to mind, and this, there's a grain of humor in this, but also a grain of truth in this, uh, they have great ideas. I can't tell you how many times they come uh, into my office with this fantastic idea for ministry. That's great. You and I should would love do it, it if they would just do it. <laughs> and I don't oh, know if it's because they don't want to. Sometimes they tell me they don't want to do it. Yeah. I don't know if it's because they don't feel like they have permission mm-hmm. or aren't really sure how. And the then how do I of... how do I help them or yeah. coach them? There may be some of that. And I'll be the first to admit that once I get my hands on something, I can sort of passively micromanage it. And really, I need to get out of the way. But in general, it'd be great if they would just do the great ideas they have. God has given them these great ideas and these great gifts. Just do them. Just go out. You don't need my permission. If it's going to take money, yeah, you should ask the church session, which is like the board for Presbyterians. Uh, yeah, technically you should, but just go do it. Yeah. We'll, re- we'll reimburse you. What is the perk of being a pastor that no one thinks about or knows about? Yeah, so one of the perks is that our boys have, I don't know, like 40 different grandmas. Mm-hmm. Uh, and parents. Church and grandmas. we have lots of free and or cheap babysitters Ooh, whenever we need yeah, them. Yeah, that is a good one. It's pretty awesome. Kind of on that note, what is the weirdest thing about being a pastor? Because like, I'm sure you were ready for the the work and the emotional strain and the like helping people in the middle of the night with tragedies in their lives, right? But what's the thing that you're like, oh man, I wish somebody had told me that because that's I didn't expect that. Yeah. So there's something almost every week that falls into that category of like, <laughs> oh, just had no clue this would ever come up. And there are too many to, to list. I th- one of the ones that comes to mind that I wasn't really prepared for um, was people coming in off the street looking for help, looking oh, for assistance. Yeah. Mm. Um, mostly other random stuff. I was told over and over again, there's going to be random stuff. You're not going to be ready for it. That's just part of it. So yeah. I'm kind of ready for the stuff I'm not ready for. But that one is just a really tough one. Yeah. Um, we, yeah. There have been, so, I mean, people don't come into our church that often, but when they do, it's like, what do you do? Mm-hmm. Especially as a small church, you're, you have limited resources. It's not like you have a program. We have a few in town I can refer them to, and I do what I can, but um, how much can you really help? And there have been some times when I get like into detective mode, when I'm kind of like, you know what? I, I know that this person's just working the system. And I think they really do need help. Yeah. Because this is how they're living and surviving, and that's yeah. not good. But I'm going to do a little detective work on their story, and 100% of the time it's false. So what do you do knowing that, and you're cynical? Yeah. You know they're, that this is not a long-term solution, but you also know they're not going to sit down with you and work on a long-term solution because you've offered for the previous ones and they never have. Yeah. And yet, how do you still maintain a compassionate response? Uh, and one that's not just dependent on your mood that particular day. Because I'll admit, I've done that. Some people call for help, and I'm not in a mood to deal with that. So I just say, sorry, we don't do that here. We, Yeah, we just hired a front office person, and it took a while to hire that person. And I think the biggest barrier was that they had to have the ability to send people away and keep the office safe. Um, that we had, I think, what somebody in an interview was like, well, the people that come in aren't dangerous, are they? And we're like, 
sometimes they are <laughs> like, I mean, um, probably, or, or you don't no, know they're not, but, sure. but they may be, um, they might be like really high and yeah. pretty, yeah. um, especially in, in our area that comes up a lot. Um, and so, and I would say we have about one, a, one a day maybe, um, coming through that we send away with like the list of food closets. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's it. That's what we got. And we have people that serve the food closet down the street, like that we all kind of join together with another one. Um, so it's not like we're not doing it, but they're kind of like, you know, we'll have like cookies in the break room and they're like, can I have one of those? And I'm like, well, I mean like you can, but we can't have every right. person coming off the street. I mean, we, we could hand out the cookies in the break room, I guess. Um, but I don't feel like that would be a very effective ministry. Yeah, exactly. And so questions like that, how do you deal with that? Yeah. I, it is I've just... always been a big believer though, that cookies are the most effective ministry, <laughs> but maybe I just think there should be more cookies in the world. Yes. Cookies that come into our church get eaten by me. So you have two small children. Yep. Big boys. I'm sorry. You have two big boys, um, but they're very similar in age to our kids. How has your ministry changed since you've had, since you've had the kids? Yeah, other than just being more tired all the time. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I actually, I would say that I do less uh, directly hands-on for the church. Don't get me wrong. I'm working the same number of hours and all that stuff uh, in case my HR department is listening. Um, <laughs> I'm calling the presbytery. Yeah, right? No, so I mean, I, I, I do the same amount of crucial work that needs to be done, but I, I do less direct hands-on managing of events or projects or programs than I did before, um, which I really do think is actually a good thing. One, because, I mean, my family is my priority. I mean, if I'm not going to be one of those pastors who's like, well, but it's the church. And if I have to sacrifice my family, nope, family comes first. Work for my dad. <laughs> I think I remember what he looks like. <laughs> there are times when that happens, but in general, uh, no, I mean, I'm trying to be there for my family as much as I can be. And it's a small church, so I don't have to be gone all that much. But I, I do less direct hands-on managing of things. And I think that's a really good thing because it really lets you know whether things need to happen. Because if they do, somebody else will step up and do them. It empowers other it people. It empowers other people. It requires the church to be the church and not just say, well, we have a pastor who does that. Yeah. No, I do the things that I'm supposed to do, uh, preach and teach and pastoral care and things like that, um, and a few other random things on the side. But mostly <laughs> uh, the church, the people of the church list. are the ones that doing the ministry. Um, and me doing less is actually a good thing. In fact, I would say our best ministries in the last four years since we've had kids have all come as a result of me not being the person in charge. All right. Well, that was awesome. Thanks, Dave. Thanks for having Sorry. me. Sorry. Pastor Dave. Pastor Dave. Uh, Speaking of. Yeah. It was awesome to have you here. We, it's great to be here. We love seeing you guys. Thanks for staying at our house and being on our podcast. So now we're going to get to our next segment. So that came up. This actually is from about a couple weeks ago. And um, I brought, I used my kid as a ringer um, to present our GS Littles and our GS Kids ministry to our church. And it meant that I had my four-year-old and an eight-year-old who was also a ringer in the back of the sanctuary with me. And while they were back there, this is secondhand, um, but from a very reliable source. So while they were back there, Pastor Todd was coming back to serve communion to um, 
somebody who had just had knee surgery and was also ushering and anyway, came into the, um, we'll call it the lobby. And my kid goes, Hey Todd. Um, and he says his real name is pastor Todd, but we call him Todd sometimes at our house. <laughs> and I, cause we, I mean, no, we don't. Oh, uh, on a regular basis. You, we have many conversations about the person who happens to also be my boss and my friend. And I promise you, I don't think I've ever called him Pastor Todd in the walls of this home. I call him Pastor or Pastor Todd. And apparently our four-year-old picked up on it. <laughs> uh, you know. I'm not going to worry we about it. We can't all be respectful and oh, polite. Oh, it's not. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah, it's not like he, man, if only a pastor had just told us that, you know, they go to school for a long time and work really hard. And this they dude. Wish they had more respect. Oh, I'm doing him a service by knocking him down a peg. He is awesome. And we love our pastor and we love our pastor Dave's. Pastor Dave, will you pray us out? Yeah. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for this day, for uh, my two friends around this table and the ministry they have with this podcast. Pray your blessing on them and their family. Lord, we thank you for our pastors, uh, whoever they are and... Uh, Whatever church they serve, we just thank you for them, the way that they lead us, not just pastors, but all the mentors and sort of parents in the faith uh, who encourage us to know you better, help us to trust your love above all else. And we thank you for uh, the children in our lives, those of us who have children, hence the chaos, uh, Christ <laughs> and chaos name of this podcast. We thank you for that chaos because you are in it. You are at the center of it. You do your best work there. For that, we thank you. We pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening. Please take a second to rate and subscribe to this podcast. It helps others to find us and to be hashtag blessed by the discussions that we have here. If you want to contact us, you can reach us on Instagram at Christ in the Chaos, or you can email us at Christ in the Chaos pod at gmail.com. Until next week, we hope you have a peaceful week, but even if you don't, remember that you can find us and Jesus waiting for you in the chaos.